0: Uh, parents are coming back in I've been telling, um, sharing with the church about the redevelopment of this site and we were at 8 stories, the council dropped it back to 6 um, I spoke at the council meeting on Wednesday night and the council voted to put our spot back to 8 stories again that's really good because what it means is that um, yeah, what it means is that we, we are, can redevelop if we want to, we can do what we want to do on this site which is pretty exciting it's good when? Well, good question, Ross. So now the council's voted back to eight stories, and now needs to go to the state government, who needs to say yes, and then it comes back to the local government for drafting again—not a no draft—for out in the community, whatever that word is, and then it gets locked in. So it's not locked consultation. So it's back for consultation. So we're still not there yet. We can't do anything yet, but at least the first bit and the, which is the most important bit's done. So that's positive. Are you ready to go? Are we, I think the air condition's got really cool all of a sudden. It's good. We're okay. It's good. Are you ready to dive into the, the, the main bit this morning? Yeah? Not the main bit is in the worship not important, but the main bit of the message. That's what I was talking about. We know what you mean. Let's pray. The meat. Father, thank you. Father, thank you for Josh and uh, his declaration today that he's choosing to follow Christ all the days of his life. Father, use him, anoint him with your Holy Spirit. Father, use him for your glory, we pray. Father, it's a real privilege to be part of this journey um, when a young guy chooses to follow Jesus. And Father, as we come to your word now and as we look at what it means for us as a church to move forward together, Lord, that you will anoint my words, that you will empower me for the task that you have for me. And I'll speak your truth in a way your people can understand, God, and that you will open our hearts and our minds to hear from you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's good. So friends, what I want to do for our first message in this series of moving forward together is talk about what does it mean for us as, as LifeGate Church to move forward together. And if, and if you're our guest this morning, this is going to be all new to you. And if you're new to our church, this might be a little bit new to you. And if you've been here for lots of years, hopefully you know this very, very, very well. And I'm reminding you of, of, of what you already know. Because what we've talked about so far in that first bit, which I wanted everyone in the room to hear as we launched our new series, is that if we're going to move forward together, we need to have the same vision. We need to be heading in the same direction. We need to have the same, this is our end goal. Our future is this. We're heading in that direction. And the second thing is is, is that we need to treat people really well. And Philippians 2, it talked about how Christ treated us and we're to have the same attitude as Christ in the way we treat others. Have the same vision and treat people well. And for us to be unified as a church, I want us to look at what does it mean for us to have the same vision. We're going to do we treat people well later in the series, but I want to look at what does it mean for us to have the same vision. And, and, and LifeGate Church has a vision. Who can tell me what this is? And if you get this right, I'm going to, be, I'm going to give you a high five. Who knows the vision of LifeGate Church? Not, Hannah. Exactly. High five, Hannah, well done. 10 out of 10. Extra morning tea for you. That'll be wonderful. Cherie, can you look after her, especially at morning tea? That is the vision of our church, to see people live in the freedom and purpose that Jesus offers. Now, lots of churches have that um, a, a statement like that on a wall or on, their, or on their website. And for some churches, it doesn't mean much. But for us, it means a whole heap. It is so vitally important to us. And this morning, I... I, I I want to share with you the, the our journey we went on in order for us to grab the vision. Because if you understand the journey, hopefully that will encourage you to buy in more, to step in closer to say, yep, yeah, this vision's for me. This, this church is my church. When I um, started, I, I think we came to this church in about 2005. I, I came on maybe the end of 2005, I think it was. I came on staff in 2007, one day a week, to run the the music ministry. And at the end of 2000... Did I say 2005? That's wrong. 2007. In 2007, I came on staff for one day a week. Did I say that? Whatever. In 2007, I came on a day a week to run the music ministry. And then in 2008, I became the senior leader here. I was on three days a week at the beginning. Um, in the first year, then 2009, I came on full time. And uh, during that first year, two years, two and a half years, holy dooly, was it tough. Who was here back then? About a third of you. <laughs> um, two thirds of the church has come since then, but we, we, it was, it was um, in 2008 when I, when I first started leading LifeGate Church, and started to hear where people were at as we started to talk about the way forward in that the church didn't have the same vision. It didn't have a clear direction. It didn't have, this is what we're about, this is where we're going, and people are on board with this. We had people saying, this is what we're about, and this is where we're going, We had another group of people that said, this is what we're about, and this is where we're going. And then we had a whole bunch of people in the middle like, what are we about? Where are we going? And so it was a real mess. It was a mess. It was a big, big mess. In 2008, we lost about 35, 40 people left LifeGate Church because of the vision and direction that I was saying, this is the way we should go. In the the next year, we lost another 20 people who said, no, that's not the church that I want to be a part of. And, and since that time, we've, we've, we've continued to ask the question, who are we? What are we about? Where are we going? What's our DNA? What's our core values? What's our culture? What is the thing that makes LifeGate Church, LifeGate Church? And during that time, it was sad, um, losing all those people. But after that loss, um, and we had clarity, about who we're about, what we we were about, where we were going. From about 2010, the church has grown. And we've seen 10% growth year on year on year on year on year. And again this year, 10% growth each year. Because something vital about having the same direction, having the same vision. Because if people know what we're about, where we're headed, people then can choose. Am I going to be part of this or am I not going to be part of this? And when people come from other churches... And we're clear about who we are and what we're about. People can have a choice. Am I going to be part of this am I, or am I not going to be part of this? And my hope is that you guys, unless you're our guest today, you've chosen to be part of this because of who we are, because of what we're about, because of the thing that God called us to. I, uh, I, I want to share with you how we came up with the vision that we came up with to see people live in the freedom and purpose that, that our Jesus offered it was in the beginning of 2008 when I was just stepped into the role of senior leader, and it was over that January period of 2008 I was seeking the Lord on God. What is Your direction for LifeGate Church? God, who do You want us to be? Where do You want us to be going? Everyone hear the water? Go on, go on, go on. Well, you can now, can't you? You might have to run out to the toilet because you hear the running water. It makes doesn't matter. Let me move on. Just because we are together doesn't mean we are together. I put that there because although we had, back in 2008, lots of people who came into this room and sat here, we weren't together. At the beginning of 2008, I sat with the Lord and said, God, who are you calling us to? What's what's our future? What does it look like? And the Lord led me to this scripture. I've already said those things. The Lord led me to this scripture from Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I uh, read around that text, and it's, and it's an amazing story. You know, Jesus has been doing these miracles and doing these healings and teaching people about the kingdom of God, and then he comes back to his hometown. And, and, I, and, I, and on that Saturday, he goes to the synagogue, and it's his time to read. And as he gets up, he's handed the, handed the scroll of, of, of Isaiah 61. And he opens Isaiah 61, and he reads just the first two verses, not the whole... Isaiah 61, just the first two verses, and then he says, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Now, for us who read this, we go, What's that about? But for the people at the time, they knew that Isaiah 61, which was these verses, Luke 4 is the same as Isaiah 61 here, these verses were pointing to the Messiah. When the Jewish people read this, they knew that their Messiah was going to be this person. Whom the Spirit of the Lord was on, who was anointed to preach the good news to the poor, proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight to the blind, release the oppressed, and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And Jesus says, I'm here, those verses were written about me. And the people didn't get excited by that, actually, they were like, Huh? How can it be you? We know your mother, we know your brothers and sisters. We know you, Jesus. How can you say those things about yourself? And the, Jesus then speaks about miracles and what he's been doing in other places. And they took such offense at Jesus they, that they took him out of the town to the edge of a cliff with the intention of throwing him off and killing him. But the Bible says somehow Jesus walked through the crowd. Now, just to think about that, how did that happen? That's an amazing, amazing miracle even there. And so what we read in Luke chapter 4 is what God, God the Father, calls his son to do. And what I want to do this morning is take you through each line of these verses and explain to you in greater depth the meaning of these verses, because it's from these verses comes the vision of LifeGate Church. So it starts, oh, I think that was me. Was that me? Maybe it wasn't me. Was that you guys up that in or me? There we are. Awesome. The first line says this, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. Now at Jesus' baptism, when he went to John the Baptist in the Jordan River, Jesus was baptized. And then Jesus was baptized in the Holy Spirit as the Spirit came down like a dove and rested on Jesus. The Spirit was upon him and he was anointed. Anointed means being set aside for a particular purpose. The Spirit of God came on Jesus for a particular purpose, and that purpose is what follows. The first thing is that we read is that the Spirit came upon him to call him aside for a particular purpose in order to preach good news to the poor. Now, what's this good news? Mark chapter 1 gives us a great, um, some great, great clarity about what this good news is. In Mark 1 it says after John was put in prison Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God what's that good news the time has come Jesus said the kingdom of God has come near repent and believe the good news friends the kingdom the the our good news is that the kingdom of God has come in other words the king's kingdom the king's domain has come that God is setting up his rule That Jesus is God's king, and God is asking people to be part of his kingdom. So when it says Jesus came to preach the good news, Jesus came to preach the message of the kingdom and inviting people to come under the rule of the king, to be part of God's kingdom. And Jesus says that he's come to preach this message to whom? To the poor. Now, when you go to the Greek word for poor, I'll read it to you. Let me tell you what it means. The uh, Greek word, word for poor is particularous or something, which means to be reduced to beggary, to be indignant, to be a person of low condition. And, and as you read the, comment, the, the commentators on this verse, it's much bigger than people who haven't got a lot of money. It's talking about that, but it's also talking about people who are poor in spirit. They're away from God, that they don't know Him. And friends, that's every person on the planet until they come to Christ. And so, this message of the kingdom that Jesus preaches is for every person on the planet. The next thing, Jesus then goes on to describe what it looks like to be part of the kingdom. He says, He has sent me to proclaim freedom. For the prisoners. Now, I'm, I'm going to give you a more literal translation. Here it is, meaning more word for word from the Greek. It says this He has sent me to preach to captives release. Now, that word for captive, that word for prisoner is the same word in Greek captive, prisoner, people who are locked up. But who are they? What does it mean to be a captive? What does it mean to be a prisoner? Well, the word release. Or freedom gives us a greater understanding of what the prisoner and captive is is about. The word for freedom in the Greek is aphios, and, and it can be translated to be freedom, release, deliverance, forgiveness, pardon, remission, and dismissal. And really interesting is that every time this word is used in the New Testament, except for Luke chapter 4, it's always used next to the word for sin, which is the word hamartia. Alpheus, that word is always used, to the, used next, to the word for, the, next to the word for sin in the New Testament, except for Luke chapter 4. So we have forgiveness of sin, remission of sin, deliverance from sin, pardon from sin. And here... I think it gives us an indication of what it means when we have prisoners and captives here. I reckon what it's pointing to is people who are captive and prisoners to sin. So when Jesus says, he has sent me to become freedom for prisoners, what Jesus is saying is that God has sent me to see people who are sinners set free from sin. Forgiveness from sin, freedom from sin, release from sin. And friends, that's how we enter God's kingdom, by becoming released, by be forgiving, by being pardoned from our sin. There's a passage in John chapter 8 where the woman comes who's caught in the act of adultery, And these people, these old people and the young people come and say, Jesus, this woman should be stoned because of what she's done. And they're referring back to the law. And Jesus writes in the ground. And people have lots of opinions what Jesus wrote in the ground. And Jesus says to these people, you who have not sinned, you guys cast the first stone. And the old ones went first and the young ones. And Jesus says to them, your sins are forgiven. Go and sin no more. With the paralytic who who are needed healing, Jesus said to that paralytic, your sins are forgiven. And then he says to the religious leaders, what's easier to say your sins are forgiven or to get up and walk? Now that that you may see that the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins, rise up and walk. And the person rose up and walked. Friends, Jesus had the authority to forgive sins. And you know how the sin was paid for? By his future death on a cross. Now, 2,000 years later... Jesus still has the authority to forgive sins by the past death on the cross. For when Jesus died on the cross, he took your sin upon himself. He took God's wrath, God's anger upon himself so that your relationship with God can be restored so you could be free from sin. Jesus is still in the business of setting us free from sin. Part of living in the kingdom Part of the coming under the King's domain is having your sin forgiven, having it pardoned, having it released. Oh, I wrote it up there. I forgot what's on my PowerPoint sometimes. I have 26 PowerPoints this morning. Too many to remember. There that's the Greek word, and there's some of the words that we can use. The next thing Jesus says is around recovery of sight for the blind. Now the blind could be spiritual blindness. Or physical blindness, that word blindness is used throughout the, throughout the New Testament to mean physical and both spiritual. This is a bit heavy this morning, isn't it? It's all right, Sammy? Thank you for the encouragement. But the word recovery of sight is, is, is anablippin or something like that in Greek. And whenever that's used in the New Testament, it always refers to physical healing. So what I think Jesus is pointing to here is sure, Jesus sets people who are spiritually blind free. But particularly here, because of the anablipsum word, recovery of sight, I think Jesus is specifically focusing on physical healing. And friends, getting free from sickness, disease, pain, ailments, blindness is all part of coming under the authority of the King. If you look through the Gospels, Jesus over and over and over healed the sick, cleansed the lepers did all these amazing things, even rose the dead. And friends, that's part of living as part of the kingdom. And friends, nothing's changed. Jesus is still in the business of healing the blind, healing sicknesses, taking away pain, healing diseases. It's part of the kingdom. Part of living in the kingdom is is believing that, is pursuing that and seeing that a reality in our lives. The next thing Jesus says, is to come to release the oppressed, release that alphys again, deliverance, pardon, um, freedom from the oppressed. And that word oppressed is another um, really interesting phrase. In the Greek, the word oppressed means to, means to break into pieces. Oppressed means to shatter, to be crushed by cruel opposition. And it's written um, in the uh, tense, where it's written where this oppression is done to you by someone else or by another party. In other words, it's to release those who have been shattered or crushed or broken into pieces by another party, which brings a lot more life to He's come to release the oppressed. Friends, you know, people walk around life with, with, our, with our bondages. It could be demonic oppression or it could be pain and hurt from what someone else has done to you yesterday or many years ago. And we hold on to the unforgiveness. We hold on to the shame. We hold on to the guilt. We hold on to whatever it is that that person has done to us or that party has done to us or that demonic spirit that's hanging around because we've allowed it into our lives. Friends, Jesus has come to set us free from that. And living in the kingdom is about being released, is about being, being set free from the oppression that someone else has done to you. This isn't your sin. That's up with proclaimed freedom for the prisoners. This is about the sin of another that's put on you. And the last thing Jesus says here in Luke chapter 4 verse 18 and 19, he says, and I've come to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, this is beautiful. This is referring back to the year of Jubilee. The year of Jubilee was every 50 years, which was the year of freedom, which meant that debts were canceled. If you had a debt with someone, imagine this today, you have a debt with a bank. And every 50 years, the Commonwealth Bank says, guess what, guys? Debts are over, no more debts. And everyone goes, woohoo, the year of freedom. That's what it was like. If you sold your land, to another person to use your land for crops or herds or whatever, every 50 years they would return the land to you. Yeah, that's pretty cool. If you were a slave, when the year of Jubilee came, the slaves were set free. Friends, it was the year of freedom. And, and this year of Jubilee that proclaimed the year of the Lord's favor is all about the three things above it that we came that we just read. Jesus is now proclaiming freedom from Sin from sickness, blindness, disease, and from oppression. Jesus has come to set the captives free. Let me summarise this for you this morning. Summary of Luke chapter four, verse 18 and 19. The Spirit of God was on Jesus. Why? Because He was He was He was sent to proclaim the message of the kingdom. That God's king is here. Be part of his kingdom. Come under his rule. Be part of his domain. And the second thing, Jesus then displayed the works of the kingdom by bringing freedom from sin, sickness, or blindness, I use the word sickness, and oppression. There's a summary of Luke 4, that the spirit of God was on Jesus so that he could proclaim the message of the kingdom of God. And then he displayed the outworking of the kingdom as he saw people free from sin, from sickness and oppression. Friends, Jesus was about freedom. He came to set people free. And as we read Luke 4, verse 18 and 19, we see very clearly Jesus' purpose on earth. Freedom and purpose. Freedom and and purpose. And in 2008, we came up with this. And, over the, and over, the, over the last seven years, eight years, we've been refining this and refining this and refining our sentence as a church to get to this. To see people live, this is what the vision of life LifeGate Church is, to see people live in the freedom and the purpose that Jesus offers us. Friends, the mission that Jesus had to bring freedom, to proclaim the message of the kingdom, the purpose that we see that there wasn't just words that he said from Isaiah 61 on that day, but the words that he lived out as he fulfilled God's purpose in his life, that, that mission, that thing that Jesus was called to, we believe is a thing that Jesus is calling us to on this day as LifeGate Church. God's called us to see people live in the freedom and the purpose that Jesus offers Are you in for that, friends? Do you want to sign up for that? I do. That's what Jesus was about. And that's what we're about. You know, we have a mission statement as a church that we very rarely talk about. It's on the partnership agreement. This is what it says. We believe Jesus came to bring freedom and purpose to every area of our lives. Spiritual, emotional, and physical every area of our lives, freedom and purpose in every area of our lives. Here's the crunch for today. We desire to see this freedom and purpose in our own lives and to offer this freedom and purpose to the communities around us. See, we can have this vision statement that says, oh, Nathan came up with that, and it wasn't just me it was the eldership and the staff and we even, like talked about it as a church, and we said, this is, what we're, this is our vision, and if there's any feedback, and we had lots of consultation. And you can say, well, LifeGate Church is a really nice sentence. It's a great sentence. I love that. And I even like where it comes from, but there's a big difference between those people having that vision and me and you having that vision for yourself. where well, you can go, you know what? I want to see myself live in the freedom and the purpose that Jesus offers me. I'm going to be deliberate about it. And then I'm going to be deliberate in sharing it with others. In blue, I've written, we desire to see this freedom and purpose in our own lives. You know, friends, Jesus has made a way for us to be free from sin, sickness, disease, blindness, add all those words, and oppression. If you're fair income, in seeing this vision as a reality in your life, you will be pursuing that. Is there sin in your life? If you're serious about seeing this vision fulfilled, seeing Jesus' vision fulfilled, be deliberate in getting free from your sin. Get help. Get accountability. Confess it to God. Go to prayer ministry. Get the bondages broken off your life. Is there a sickness in your world? Is there some sort of disease? Pursue God for the healing. Chase after it. God, I believe you're my healer, and I'm going to pursue that until I'm healed. Are you oppressed? Do you feel broken? Do you feel shattered by an outside party? Friends, Jesus is in the business of setting you free from that. Are you deliberate in getting free from those things? And then we talk about purpose, and that's all around coming under the authority of God, it's all around being deliberate in getting free from sin, free from sickness, free from oppression. Fulfilling your purpose is about saying, God, what do you want from my life? And being deliberate in doing that. If you're a husband, your purpose is to love your wife and to love your kids. If you're running a business, your calling by God is to lead that business well. If you're part of a team, your calling is to be part of that team Use what God has already put you in. You know, we, we think to ourselves, oh, when God tells me my purpose, I will then do it. No, you're already in it. You're already doing the things that God wants you to do, but rather be deliberate to do it his way. I'm really excited this morning. And you guys are listening very well. This has been a heavy message, but your listening is excellent. And I can tell you're listening because I've got, I've got everyone's eyes. Thank you. It's very encouraging when you listen. It really is. And then the second part of this, and this is where we're going to finish this morning, and to offer this freedom and purpose to the communities around us, and to offer this freedom and purpose to the communities around us. You know, the thing I love about our vision is that it's, this vision is about me. It's about me getting free. It's about me fulfilling my purpose. It's about Michelle getting free, Michelle fulfilling a purpose, and the same with Kylie. It's about each one of you, and it's about all of us. And the other thing I love about this is that it's not just about me, and it's not just about us, but it's the people who are outside this room. It's about your neighbours, it's about the people in your street, it's about the people in your soccer club. I've connected with this guy named Michael who's part of the, um, the our team, and he's a lovely bloke. He does fitness stuff, um, CrossFit. He does these weights and, and he's like, got these muscles and he's built like Arnold Schwarzenegger, but a, a small version. He's a machine. And he's him and I connecting and he's coming to soccer training. You know what? I have an opportunity to share the freedom and purpose that Christ has given me with him. A wonderful opportunity. And I'm looking for the opportunity. God, when, when is it? When is it? When is it? So exciting. And friends, the thing about being passionate about the vision is that we want to share it with the people in our life group and the people we mentor and the people we, we are serving in children's ministry and, and in morning tea and everything that we do. But those who don't yet know Christ, we can share it with them. This is where we're going to land it this morning. Are you in this morning? When you hear this vision, do you go, yep, yep, I'm in for this vision? And if you've been part of this church for a while and this is not you, I want to talk to you about it. But maybe this isn't the church for you, and that's okay. It may not be. There's plenty of other churches that have different emphasis. But what we're saying is this is what we're about. And we want you to buy into this and say, Yes, that's what Jesus was about, and that's what I'm about, and that's what we're about. We got a Piwi Nappy toilet. <laughs> we got a child in children's ministry. <laughs> Who knows? This is what we're about as a church, and I'd love you to dive in. Now, we're going to finish this morning with communion. Here is a cup and here's a biscuit, and it reminds us of all that Jesus has done. And I've done this intentionally to remind you that the vision of LifeGate Church is Jesus' vision for Jesus' mission, Jesus' vision for what he was called to, and it's what we're called to. And as you come and take communion this morning, I would love you to reflect on all that Christ has done for you and the freedom that he's given you and the purpose that he's given you. And ask yourself, how are you living in that? Are you living in that? And how's God calling you to give that to others? And as you come forward for communion, I invite the worship team to come and stand, and it's going to be messy. Maybe the worship team can stand over against the walls. If you would like prayer this morning around freedom around purpose, something else that's going on in your world, please come and there's people who pray for you. But otherwise, I'm going to say to you, be released. Heather just waved at me about the offering. Did the offering days go around? They did. So, you, as you, so as you come for communion, Heather, you can do the offering. I'm going to pray, and then we can come and have communion. Father, we want to thank you that Jesus has spoken so clearly to us about his purpose in life. He came to proclaim the message of the kingdom and then display the words of the kingdom through freedom from sin, freedom from sickness, and freedom from oppression. And this mission that you've called Jesus to, God, is the same mission, same vision that you've called us to as LifeGate Church. Father, for each one of us here, God, that we will be deliberately making a choice to say, yes, I'm in, or no, I'm not in, to this vision. And God, that we will take it seriously, that we will pursue it for our own lives, but we'll offer it to the world around us, those unsaved family and friends who need it. God, we ask today that you would use us for your glory. God, that you would anoint us with your Holy Spirit to achieve your purpose, to achieve your will. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Come forward for communion, get some prayer, and then be released. Have a lovely morning, see.